The Lord be with you. And also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility and love of Christ, here and now on this Christmas Sunday where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered for our congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM and for our internet global listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Purify our conscience, almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Upon this, our Advent journey, we have struggled to learn about meaning this year, what one meant in the heart by a choice, a selection, a word, a sermon, is not what that choice means. What it means is what it does, not what it meant, but what it does, its impact, its influence. Upon this theme in our prayers this day, we do meditate and pause in silence as our choir sings for us the traditional Kyrie, Lord have mercy upon us. good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who is descended from David, and David according to the flesh, and was declared to be son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Please join me in reading responsibly verses from Psalm 80 with the Antiphon. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth in the presence of Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord of hosts, how long will we be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. But let your hand be upon those of your right hand, the ones whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life that we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. to know the meaning of the gospel in life. Our hearts yearn for such a sense of meaning as our minds reach for the same. Last week, a devoted radio congregant, a weekly listener, wrote to respond to the service and sermon, doing so with an evocation of his years, the early 1960s, as a student here 
at Boston University. In a PS addition to the letter, he quoted Miguel de Unamuno, My religion is to seek for truth in life and for life in truth, even knowing that I shall not find them fully while I live. The next day, another listener, friend, said, These marsh services are about life and truth. Said John Wesley, If thine heart be as mine, give me thine hand. We have left St. Luke now to follow the trail of Jesus' life, death, and destiny this year in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew relies on Mark and then also on a teaching document called Q, along with Matthew's own particular material, of which our reading today is an example. He has divided his Gospel into five sequential parts, a careful pedagogical rendering befitting his traditional role as teacher, in contrast to Luke the physician, whose interest was history. We have moved from history to religion, from narrative to doctrine. Matthew is ordering the meaning of the history of the gospel, while Luke is ordering the history of the meaning of the gospel. You have moved from the history department to the religion department. Welcome. Matthew has his own perspective. Some of that perspective involves a developing and developed Christology and understanding of Christ. For Matthew, the birth narrative conveys the proper ordering of the meaning of the history of the gospel. Birth narratives still matter. Birth narratives still have power, as if the politics of the last several years in this country were not enough alone to remind us. Matthew probes, who is he? Where did he come from? And where, who, his parents? And who are his people? And who formed him, he who now forms us? You have missed having read the generations earlier in Matthew 1, from Adam to Christ. These are found before our reading. 14 by 14 by 14 are the generations from Abraham to David, from David to Babylon, from Babylon to Christ. They run from Abraham to Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary, to Joseph, to and through Joseph. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, Tamar, Amminadab, Boaz, Ruth, Jesse, David, Solomon, Uriah, Rehoboam, Jehoshaphat, Amos, Josiah, Jeconiah, Zerubbabel, Zadok, Eleazar, Matan, Jacob, Joseph. Every one of these names earlier in chapter 1 is worth a full sermon. We could start next Sunday. (laughs) Matthew 1 tells of the birth of Christ, Jesus Christ, though a later scribe dropped Jesus, although most texts hold to it, perhaps to move Matthew a little more away from Luke pushing religion away from history, you could say. The freedom we have to interpret the gospel for ourselves begins with the gospels themselves. Each is different from the others. John is magnificently the most different of them all, the most sublime, mysterious, and divine. 
Matthew tells of the birth of Christ, now the birth. Then he will tell of the teaching of Christ. Then he will tell of the healing of Christ. Then he will tell of the cross of Christ. Then cometh resurrection. In five moves he is teaching us, Matthew, Matthew the teacher. He orders the meaning of history as Luke orders the history of meaning. In the birth, it is the cradle we most need to notice. The wood of the cradle by which Christ is born is of a type with the wood of the cross by which Christ is crucified. Born to give us second birth. The birth of soul, the birth of spirit, the birth of mind, the birth of faith, the birth of will, heart, love. Born to give us second birth. Is one birth not enough? No. You are meant to live in faith, to lead a life of loving friendship, to wake up every morning in the sunshine, the light of God. You are meant to walk in the light, to walk in the light. For this you need to hear a word spoken from faith to faith. Christmas as a cultural break provides a seam, an opening for grace, both apart from religion and as a part of religion. You are given the light of God to rest in your hearts, to illumine your hearts and minds, to give you peace and hope all through the coming year. We will need that in 2017. We will need that courage this coming year. Matthew is apparently fighting on two fronts, both against the fundamental conservatives to the right and against the spiritual radicals to the left. In Matthew, gospel continues to trump tradition as in Paul, but tradition itself is a bulwark to defend the gospel as in Timothy. Matthew is trying to guide his part of the early church between the Scylla of the tightly tethered and the Charybdis of the tetherless. The people who raised us in the snows of the towns along the train tracks of the Lake Shore Limited, Albany to Buffalo and on to Chicago, knew this well. That is, with Matthew, they wanted 50 years ago to order the meaning of the history of the gospel. They aspired to do so by opposition to indecency and indifference. They attempted to do so by attention to conscience and compassion. At one time, the little towns and smaller cities of upstate New York were populated with scout troops and Methodist churches, one to foment decency and one to honor difference. The scouts at least had a list of 12 points in the law of the scouts that kept a measure of and on decency, whether or not every scout so lived. It is important to tell the truth. So a scout is trustworthy. The Methodists at least had a potluck dinner every Wednesday formed out of wide-ranging culinary differences 
all brought together with the inevitable digestive turbulence, e pluribus unum, on a long table with a tablecloth not quite long enough for the table, saying, the world is full of difference. So we get together and enjoy one another's odd casseroles as a foretaste of the globe. When asked to bring an artifact of his church, the Methodist brings not a Bible like the Baptist or a rosary like the Catholic or the or yarmulke like the Jew, but a casserole dish to honor difference. Now, many of these t towns today are depopulated, and many lack any longer a strong scout troop, and many lack any longer a vibrant Methodist church. This changes the culture, the civil society in the rural lake country of New York. There is less traction for decence, decency, less traction for difference. I suppose the same, a denigration of decency and difference, might be found too today in Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, Ohio, western Pennsylvania. When at an earlier age you are not challenged to see and say, that is not decent that kind of speech. Or you are not challenged to see and say, that disrespects difference, that kind of talk. Then you are more inclined to accept indecency and indifference, and you may be more vulnerable to demagoguery. We need more seminarians who will forego the joys of coastal urban life and go out or go home to the towns and cities of Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Iowa, western Pennsylvania, and upstate New York. It is something to think about in this era, this season of burgeoning American indecency and indifference, our openness to the normalization of what is not decent and what denigrates difference. We had moved into Oneida, named for one of the Iroquois tribes the year before. By that December, friendships had formed. Our scout troop in the cold week after Christmas assembled to drive the long, long distance, all of 20 miles, to Rome, that's Rome, New York, not the Rome to which all roads lead by any means, to swim in a relatively new YMCA pool. In the ice cold, to be transported to steaming warm water, the gym windows beclouded with moisture. What a treat. The cold earlier this week here brought the memory. But to get there, we needed four drivers, and only three arrived. It was a Saturday, and my dad was in the church office upstairs from our scout hall, probably trying to write a sermon for the next day, just 14 years after his own graduation from BU. Dad, could you drive us? With no spoken reluctance, he tapped his pipe, closed a notebook, and put on his coat. What fun! What joy! I suppose we worked on swimming merit badge along the way, but all that remains in memory is the laughter, going and swimming, warmth in the deeps of cold, and friendship in the deeps of anonymity. Warmth, warmth, warmth! We are dying of cold, not of darkness. It is not the night that kills. 
It is the frost. It is not the night of unknowing that kills. It is the frost of unloving. A scout is friendly, friend to all, and a brother to every other scout. Our family, four children, lived on the minister's salary, then $6,000 a year, and in the minister's parsonage, it was a living. They, parents, never complained to my remembrance. They were joyful, proud people. You live on what you have, so not to burden others. In those years, because you were eligible to move to itinerate every spring or so, you planted a garden taking pride in its planting, not fully knowing if you or another would harvest. There was a pride in the way these vegetable gardens were planted, hoed, and weeded. They really make a good garden. That was high praise in the itinerant ministerial community, which, like all such, had its share of gossip. You take in pride in what you do. You take pride in what you do. Or as the Bostonian Oliver Wendell Holmes put it, any profession is great if greatly pursued. After the swim that evening in Rome, New York, because it was 5 or 6 p.m., the idea circulated among the swimmers that we should propose to the drivers to stop for a hamburger at a new hamburger chain, Carol's it was called. The swimmers had the imagination, but the drivers had the money. This seemed like a top idea. Warmed in the swim and in the fellowship of friendship, I went to my father. He was filling his pipe and smiling. Dad, the other guys are going to stop for a hamburger on the way back home. Can we go along? My father was a genuinely and naturally happy, optimistic man. He did not let her easily confound him. Whoever said life was fair, that was his response to unfairness, hurt. So I remember that night because his face fell a little at the question, can we stop for a hamburger too? I mentioned that my dad was a proud person, I think. He said something like, maybe, or We'll see. Then after a while, with the troop running around and shouting things, I saw him slowly walk over to one of the other drivers, who was a factory owner, a Methodist lay speaker, a friend. I saw a conversation in process. I saw my father looking at my friend's father. I saw my friend's father fish out his wallet. I saw my dad... I just wonder now how much it might have hurt him. Accept a few bills and put them into his own empty wallet. It was the end of the month, the end of the year, the week after Christmas, a time of quiet but a time of lack, I guess. Having now lived a while, raised some children, seen and felt some hurt, maybe I should better appreciate a little what that moment, that willingness to sacrifice pride to give love, may have caused. In the icy winter in the atrium of a small YMCA on a Saturday afternoon with a sermon back on the desk still unwritten. 
If I had known then what I know now about what can hurt, I would not have asked. But if I had not asked, I would not have known now what I saw then. Life asks things of us when we are least prepared and when we least expect, but ask it does. How we respond becomes the alphabet of faith. For a time now, across our culture, and thanks in part to the weakening of scout troops and Methodist churches in, northern, in the northern Midwest, indecency and indifference seem to have won the day. We do not need to recount in this country. We need to recant. Not to recount, but to recant. We have learned what Jeremiah warned us in September. You usually cannot know humility without first enduring the bitter suffering of humiliation. As a people now, we are learning the one through the other. Yet, nonetheless, nevertheless, hear the gospel. At least such is a first step toward humility. The further steps come in middling fashion upon a long road in the civil forms of civil society that slowly, slowly teach what we seem in part to have forgotten, decency and difference, not indecency nor indifference, but conscience and compassion. So we live into Advent in a difficult time, and there is little that can be said to minimize that dark difficulty. No. No false hope. We must face it and live it through, whether or not we can live it down. We simply will have to live it through. We can attend to affairs of state, to due process under the law, to respect for forms of government. It will take a decade. But remember, who hopes for what he sees? We hope for what we do not see, and we wait for it with patience. Zadie Smith knows about birth and about a warm swim on a cold winter night, writing, Things have changed, but history is not erased by change. And the examples of the past still hold out new possibilities for all of us, opportunities to remake for a new generation the conditions from which, which we ourselves have benefited. Progress is never permanent, will always be threatened, must be redoubled, restated, and reimagined if it is to survive or here, Vaclav Havel. Hope is an, is an orientation of the spirit, an orientation of the heart. It transcends the world beyond our horizons. It is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense no matter how it turns out. We long to know the meaning of the gospel in life, our hearts yearn for such a sense of meaning as our minds reach for the same.
May such meaning fill your longing and feed your yearning this Christmas 2016. Dear friends, as we turn our hearts and minds to prayer, I invite you to remain standing, be seated, kneel, or come to the communion rail according to your tradition as we join together in our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord.
To us a child is born, to us a son is given. Let us pray for the people Christ came to save. I will conclude each petition, God in your mercy. Please respond, hear our prayer. Wonderful Counselor, you order all things with your wisdom. Help the Church to reveal the mystery of your love and fill us with the spirit of truth. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Mighty God, the government is on your shoulders. Guide the leaders of the nations and bring in your kingdom of justice and righteousness. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Everlasting Father, you call us to live together in unity. Protect by your mercy all your children. Bless our families and renew our communities. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Prince of Peace, you bring reconciliation through the cross. By your healing power, give to all who suffer your gift of wholeness and peace. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us commend the world to which Christ came to the mercy and protection of God. God, our Redeemer, who prepared the Blessed Virgin Mary to be the mother of your Son, Grant that, as she looked for his coming as our Savior, so we may be ready to greet him when he comes again as our judge, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Awaiting his coming in glory as our Savior taught us, so we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Good morning. We welcome you again to the Nave of Marsh Chapel, whether you are seated here in the pews, listening via WBUR, via the radio or live stream, or later on the podcast. Please know that you are a valued member of our community. For those of you seated in the pews, we ask that you locate the red pads located at the center aisle of each pew and write your name and contact information. This helps us to get to know you better and you to get to know one another better. We invite you and possibly a friend to join us next Saturday for one of our Christmas Eve services at 1 p.m. or 7.30 p.m. here in the chapel. Please also join us at 11 a.m. next Sunday for our Christmas Day service. Regular weekly chapel activities are suspended until the start of the spring term, and Marsh Chapel offices will be closed December 26th through January 3rd in in line with the university's intercession. The chapel will offer an 11 a.m. service on New Year's Day. For all other news and announcements, we invite you to visit our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as the chapel website, bu.edu slash chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, may we remember that it is a gift and joy to be a giver.
for gifts given, for trees lit, for hymns sung, for lessons read, for sermons preached, for anthems offered, and in all these things, for lives committed, we give you thanks, O God. Amen. We invite the congregation now to turn in your red hymnal to page 38. Twice a year or so, we invite those so moved publicly to affiliate with Marsh Chapel and to say so by saying, this is my church home and this is my church family. There are many ways to keep faith. In my father's house, there are many rooms. There are many ways to join Marsh Chapel. You may do so by checking a box in the red pad. You may do so by including a note in your offering. You may do so by speaking to one of the chaplains. 
and you also, for those so inclined, may do so, including today, by coming forward to be received into the fellowship of the community of Marsh Chapel. As I invite Jacqueline Stucker and Kara Stepp to come forward, if you in this moment are so moved, if you're inclined to affiliate with Marsh Chapel, this is an invitation to faith. Every service and every hymn and every sermon is an invitation to faith. This is just a little more explicit. If Kara and Jacqueline and any other so moved would come forward, page 38. Sandra Cole, our membership secretary, and I welcome this quartet of new members here at Marsh Chapel. We celebrate their faithfulness in worship and in relationship and in stewardship, grateful for their leadership by example in faith. Congregation, now, if you will, turn to page 38 as we ask the traditional question. When we come to the phrase, the United Methodist Church, please substitute the community of Marsh Chapel, the community of Marsh Chapel. Beloved, as, Christ, as members of Christ's universal church, will you be loyal to the community of Marsh Chapel and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? As members of this congregation, chap chapter, and community, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service? Members of the household of God, I commend these persons to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love together. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the community of Marsh Chapel, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Hear now the spoken benediction. The God of all grace, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may live in grace and peace. 